You saw me walking along the beach. It was freezing. You watched me turn round the headland and the tide it cut me off. The rocks were wet, too wet to climb, so I panicked. But you didn't. You dialed 999 and asked for the Coast Guard. Coast Guard. And I just want to say, whoever you are, thank you. In an emergency at the coast, call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time and Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you all had a good Christmas and you weren't filled up too much with turkey. And I also hope that you enjoyed the festive feast of football that has been served up for us in the National League over the last couple of days. I'm Luke Edwards. Joining me this week is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Merry Christmas, Luke. Merry Christmas, everyone. And also joining us on the podcast is Tom Lang. He's He's got a second week after we brought him back into the team last week. He did really, really well. So we brought him back again. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Good, good. After your performance, we uh, we thought we'd keep you on. Um, Rob was poor last week all over the shop, so we've dropped him. Yeah, it's been coming for a while, hasn't it, if we're honest with ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Star man now. <laughs> and uh, Dickie, we've dropped Dickie this week. He felt he needed a rest over this busy Christmas period. So Dickie will be back with us next weekend. Uh, it's been a fantastic few days. We have Boxing Day and, of course, Saturday. So only 40, 48 hours rest for some teams. In in terms of Yeovil, only 45 hours rest. They played in the early TV game on Saturday against Sutton. They had a thumping 6-2 win against Torquay on Boxing Day, but they slipped up against Inform Sutton. They did in a game that was on telly as well, wasn't it, yesterday? But but first of all, before I talk about that, how good is it for football fans this time of the year? We absolutely love it. I'm not sure the players do, but but we certainly do. Um, yeah, Yeovil um, just shows what a difference 45 hours makes, doesn't it? But they really have hit an informed Sutton team. Sutton have now won three out of three. Uh, they won yesterday after being 2-1 down. They've got five wins out of seven. Uh, it was a David um, Adjiboy winner, and I think I think I'm right in saying Sutton fans may correct me on this, but I think that was Matt Gray's first signing, first summer signing as well. So quite symbolic there at Sutton. But uh, Yeovil, yeah, slipping up in the uh, in the chase of uh, Barrow. Yeah, so um, obviously Adjiboy was signed from Worthing last season. He was the highest scoring non centre forward in the division with 16 goals uh, for Worthing. And, he, and he's doing really well at this level. He was man of the match yesterday, as you say. Uh, goal, set up the first and scored the last. But, I mean, he had a pretty compliant defence to work with. Um, Gabriel Osho and Luke Wilkinson had absolute stinkers for Yeovil. Um, and it must have been quite frustrating for Courtney Doofus and Reese Murphy up front, who looked very good, um, to have played in front of that defence yesterday. Um, you know, the defence was pretty much at fault for... Uh, for the first goal, they were too easily shrugged off by Ajiboy. Uh, they were definitely at fault for the second goal, where they just allowed Goodliffe uh, to snaffle up a ball that was ricocheting around the penalty area. Um, that said, at the other end, um, Sutton didn't look great defensively either. I was really surprised by Louis John, who just looked like a shadow of the man who earned that big move to Coventry a couple of seasons ago. Um However, you know, looking at the league, Sutton, they've now won five and drawn two of their last seven. They're top of the form table for December. And um, all that early season worry under uh, Matt Gray's new leadership seems to have dissipated. Yeah, it's propelled Sutton up to 16th. 
Uh, Yeovil could have gone above Barrow because Barrow only drew on Boxing Day. It meant advantage Barrow once again. They conceded a late equaliser to Fylde on Boxing Day. They had Josh Kay sent off as well in that game. And they also led twice at Hartlepool before being pegged back. Now, that may prove to be a good point, Chris, as they lead Yeovil by a point, as we said. But they also have two games in hand. And you speak to a lot of managers and they always say they would rather have points on the board. Well, they have that plus the games now. Yeah, they do. They're looking good, aren't they? Um, I checked out the odds before we came on air here in Barrow now 6-4. to four, Without sounding like talk sport, who bring up odds at every every single opportunity. Um, Barrow are now 6-4 to four to win the title. Um, Pretty short odds in a in a twenty four horse race, but um, yeah, they're looking really good. And those two two games in hand are really significant, aren't they? He never will be disappointed though, as they were ahead twice that game when uh, Dior Angus put them ahead for the for the second time. But what it does mean is that they're now undefeated in in nine games. Just a quick word on Hartlepool though, because um, it's a bit. Uh, Godly looking chains, in the words of Godly looking chain, the sound of the police, because they've now got a record of 9 9 9. Won nine, <laughs> drawn nine, lost nine. <laughs> nice one, Chris. Someone's been swatting up over Christmas, clearly. In third place are Bromley. They're still only a point behind. They got a vital 3 0 win over Dagenham and Redbridge on Saturday. It was much needed that because they had a, a 3 0 reverse at Dover on Boxing Day, a Dover side that had struggled at home up until then this season. And uh, yeah, it's massive win that for Bromley. And, and we'll get onto Dagenham shortly, but it's not looking good for them. Yeah, huge win for Bromley. Um... You know they were they were afforded the opportunity at the top uh, with um, Barrow only getting a draw and Yeovil losing to really uh, keep the pressure on and they took it didn't they? So Josh Reese had a cracking match. Um, when he's firing, there aren't many more creative players in the division. Um, he's got a lot of pedigree as Josh Reese uh, and he's still a very effective footballer. Michael Cheeks' eleventh of the season set Bromley on their way, and then Luke Coulson and Josh Reese got the second and third. Um, but what was really interesting about this match was that Dagenham and Redbridge only managed one shot on target. And I think that's a big part of the reason why they're slipping down the table. Uh, they've got the third worst goal scored tally in the division, which is really undermining what's actually quite a solid mid-table defence. Um, they're just not scoring anywhere near enough. They're now dead last in the form table. And um, as we talked about last week, for a season where they would definitely have expected to be pushing for the playoffs, they brought in players in the summer you know they did spend money um i think tim howard and that consortium would be pretty disappointed to see them down at that end of the table um and peter taylor's got a real job on his hands to meet expectations at the moment yeah they are probably the national league's christmas turkeys over this christmas period they've had a pretty shocking one haven't they yeah daggers are out for dagenham Notts county with a complete opposite of dagenham they've had a fantastic christmas they they won three nil over maiden and had a fantastic one nil win at solihull uh, the winner came from Wes Thomas, and it's a game they may well have lost earlier in the season. But Wes Thomas, Cal Wharton, Christian Dennis, they're all... They're, it's a potent strike force, those three, isn't it? If they keep them all fit, then they have got a really good chance, haven't they? They have, yeah. And, and what's quite good about Knox County is they have spread the goals around the team quite well. So, yeah, as you mentioned, you've got Carl Wharton and Wes Thomas. They're both on nine. Christian Dennis has eight. Enzio Boulderwine's got six. Um... They're not overly reliant on any one player. So they are spreading it around well. That's a really big win for Notts County. Um, just to look at the comparison in form, Notts County are now unbeaten in five. Solihull are now without a win in three. So 
that they're peaking at just the right time when the games are coming thick and fast. Um, and I don't think it's any surprise that it was Wes Thomas with the goal. That's exactly what they've signed him for. He's a man with a lot of experience, a lot of pedigree. Um, he's played football league for a number of seasons. And he's the sort of man who is always liable to pop up with a crucial goal away against a potential promotion rival. Yeah, Harrogate, they've had a, a good Christmas, haven't they, Chris? They uh, had a 4-1 win over Hartlepool, as I mentioned. Uh, but they they won also 2-0 at Charlie. Uh, the veteran John Stead amongst the goals. And, and Hartlepool, uh, sorry, Hart. Harrogate are quietly going about their business and, and Christmas is always an important time for teams. It, it can either, it can sometimes make or break your season, can't it? Yeah, it can do. And they're putting in a good run, as you said, over this uh, over this Christmas period. Isn't it symbolic, I think, that uh, John Stead scored as well? He hasn't been playing that much for Harrogate, but it's at times like this when you need to dip into your squad and uh, they can dip into the squad and bring in someone with such um, with such experience and, and such character as John Stead. And let's be honest, I know um, I know Charlie are sitting at the bottom of the league at the minute, but it's not an easy place to go at Victory Park, especially over the winter. So to come away with a two 0 win is is a pretty big deal, I think. It's really tight actually around that that top ten. Only eight points separate the top ten. It's much tighter than last year. If you go on a Sutton style one. Sutton style run where you've won five of your last seven then it brings you right in there doesn't it it does yeah and um, you know that's exactly where teams like Wrexham or Fylde will be drawing inspiration from you know we've been saying all season that they are too big to continue this sort of form for the whole campaign but you know both are really struggling I think Fylde are now winless in five and only one point above the drop zone um you know, if Wrexham had taken that win against Maidenhead yesterday, they'd have jumped above them in the table. As it is, Maidenhead are up to 17th and Wrexham are still in the relegation zone. So there are, there's definitely inspiration for clubs down there um, and they can take that from Sutton United. Yeah, Charlie have a massive game against Wrexham on New Year's Day. Of course, it's the reverse fixtures on New Year's Day from the one that we've just seen on Boxing Day. If Charlie can get a win in that one, Chris, it'll just drag him slightly closer to Wrexham because at the minute, currently, uh, Charlie fans have been filled with the Christmas spirit because they've had no goals and no points over Christmas. Ebsley, they fared slightly better. They got a point over the two games, but both are five adrift of Wrexham. So if they can win, Charlie, that'll take them to within two points of Wrexham, who were who were basically struggling because they lost again on Saturday, which we'll hear more about shortly. Yeah, it's the definition of a six-pointer, isn't it, that one? Um, look, Charlie aren't adrift, I don't think. Um, it's surprisingly now, we'll talk about them in a minute, but it's AFC Fylde who are sitting just above that relegation place now on 30 points. Charlie are only six points off them, albeit having played a game more. So, look, there's still a hell of a long way to go and... Um, I think Charlie have got Charlie have got it in them to get out of that, but uh, it certainly means that they've got to take some points at, at games against their uh, relegation rivals. Yeah, we chatted about Wrexham last week because their away form's really poor. They won't fancy going to Charlie, will they, on New Year's Day? Oh, not at all. No, they re- they really won't. And um, especially, I mean, I've got to say that although. Wrexham have lost, um, you know, two out of the last three games. Before that, they've also won three out of the last five games. So, a sort of a mini revival, if you like. Um, but no, it's a it's a real difficult place to go. And I say that because it can be quite uh, intimidating. The fans are are quite boisterous and quite lively, lively at Charlie. And uh, Wrexham will take a big following. So, if you're a neutral and in that area, that would be a good one to uh, pop along to. I'd say absolutely. 
Maidenhead, they that was a good response for Maidenhead against Wrexham because they made the longest trip of the National League on Boxing Day, going up to Notts County. It wasn't a fruitful one for them either. They lost by three goals to nil, so they were they might have been looking over the shoulders a little bit. It was a, and it was a really big win that over Wrexham. Yeah, that was massive, wasn't it? And um, Danny Whitehall continued his good season with his tenth and eleventh of the campaign. Um, you know, and talking about how tight it is down at the bottom, that's only Maidenhead's third win since October. But it was still enough to pull them right up to 17th in the league. Um, had it have gone the other way, then it would be Maidenhead right down near the relegation zone and Wrexham would have jumped above them. Yeah, that's how tight it is. It's tight at the bottom with four points separating 18th to 21st. So what's really weird about Ebbsfleet is they've only actually lost two got two games in their last 10 matches. But this awful, awful autumn form is keeping them second bottom in the league. Um it looks as though, I didn't watch the game, I've not seen highlights, but it looks as though they dominated yesterday. Um, they had 14 shots to Dover's six, but it sounds like a good performance by Yusuf Mersin um, gave Dover that platform to build up, build on and grind out the win. Um, and Michael Woods' first Dover goal since his move down from Hartlepool in the summer uh, was enough to bag them the three points. Just above the relegation zone are uh, filed. They took on Stockport County on Saturday after they got a good draw as we said, against Barrow. And uh, that was a game you went to, Chris. Yeah, it's also a game, you know, that it was a great game, actually. It could have gone either way, this game. And um, Jim Bentley in his, uh, his uh, sort of interview at the end of the game said, you know, we could have been two, three, three or four up or something like that before um, we let County back into the game. And in the end, it, it was a real open game and it, it was Stockport County who took the chances. But... If I'd if I'd been to the same game and looked at the scoreline, it's three one to AFC filed as well. You know that would have that wouldn't have been a surprise. It was a real great game. I think Stockport County had the rub of the green on a, on a couple of occasions. Well, great goal from Tom Walker, uh, great free kick in, into the top corner, and fantastic goal from Dan Cowan who ran onto a ball that was sort of uh, passed across the face of the area and smashed it in off the far post. And um, County took the points. Um, I'm really struggling to um, work out how how AFC filed our twentieth in the division because you know what they were they were pretty good yesterday. I would say um, Danny Rowe. I, I took someone to the game who hadn't seen Danny Rowe before, and he, he saw Danny Rowe and he said hey, he couldn't believe he was playing in the National League. His feet are so good. He's got so much time on the ball. Um, the, the balls he was he was playing were were absolutely brilliant. But in the end, at the end of the day, he was back on another losing team. And I've got to say, in terms of Stockport County, well, the the Jim Cannon bandwagon just rolls on. We've started the year. If I if I can have a bit of artistic license, because I think it was around about November that Stockport County were about eleventh or twelfth in the National League North. They now sit fifth in the National League. And they're on a great run of form as well. I think they're second or third in the in the form table. So uh, things are looking good for them. Yeah, and that win on Saturday followed up a brilliant win on Boxing Day when they beat Halifax by five goals to one. Elliot Osborne with a hat-trick. And the thing with Stockport is that they're sharing the goals around now, aren't they? And they're scoring hatfuls of them as well, Luke. Uh, they only got two yesterday. As I said, they, they they could have had more. They are sharing them around. I think what's going to be interesting is, and um, certainly the fans were, were chanting it as he was substituted yesterday, Tom Walker has been uh, pretty influential. And I think I'm right in saying we might the county might have him for one extra game. We might have him for the uh, New Year's Day game against Halifax. 
and then he might be going back to Salford. But uh, same with Devante Rodney as well. They've been two great players on loan. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in January um, to see whether they have they do go back and uh, you know Jim Gam- Gannon brings another couple of players in or whether they can persuade um, Salford to to part with one or uh, or both of them. Talking of Halifax, Chris, they they got a much-needed win on Saturday. They've been sliding down the table, as we said, and it it leaves them level on points just outside the playoffs with four other teams. It's getting tight there now. Solihull currently occupy occupy that last playoff place. But talking about another Salford player, Jack Redshaw has had a time over the last year or so. He got the winner against Chesterfield, and, and that'll be a big relief for him and for Pete Wilde. Oh, absolutely, and uh, and what character shown there by by Halifax as well yesterday? We mentioned that during this period when there's so many fixtures coming thick and fast, you can get on a really good run, but you can also do the opposite, and you can get on a on a terrible run. And if you get spanked five one in the game before, to come back with that sort of character, it'd be so easy to uh, to get beat in the next game, but to to come back and win one nil wasn't pretty by all accounts. But to get that one nil victory um, and through someone like Jack Redshaw, who could be a real asset to that to that team, is uh, is a brilliant result. Um, and unfortunately for Chesterfield, the uh, the Anis Horribles uh, continues. Torquay were entertaining. Obviously, it's fair to say they conceded six at Yeovil, as we mentioned earlier, and then they beat Yo they beat Woking by five goals to one. And uh, for Woking and Torquay, especially, it's been an up and down Christmas. It's fair to say. Oh, definitely, and I think you've uh, you, you've actually uh, you've actually added an extra goal because it was four-one Luke <laughs> uh, against, against Woking. Um, but listen, um, whether it's four-one or five-one, it was um, Woking were a mediocre, mediocre form, but this game was all about Torquay. They'd lost the last seven games, and I looked at those seven games. They're conceding an average of more than three goals a game. But what a way to respond? Just go and score four. <laughs> because if you know you score three a game, you've got to uh, you've got to have a bit of security. Look, um, I think really significant about this game is Jamie Reid. He, he had, I think he had a couple of assists. He scored a goal, and if they can get him going again, we know Torquay are a decent team. We know they st- they've had uh, they had a great run. They're forming in the National League. They've had a real poor one at the moment, but uh, this may be the game that that turns it around for them. Um, so yeah, as, as Chris says, that run of form for Torquay has been nothing short of woeful. Um, it's the worst it's ever been under Gary Johnson. It never even got that bad in their relegation season. But, you know, to highlight how tight it is in the division, that win against uh, Woking yesterday still keeps them only four points behind the cards. Um, but a word on Woking. Um, Jake Hyde's 14th goal of the season. He's having a fantastic return to National League football. A quite disappointing result against Torquay yesterday. But let's not forget that most pundits were tipping Woking to go down this season. Um, they're one of, I think, what, only two part-time teams in the division, and they're only a matter of goal difference off the playoffs, as we're par- well past the halfway point in the season now. So it's been a remarkable um, return to the National League. I think they'll probably be looking at the table and saying nine more points and we're safe from relegation, and that's the first big victory of the season for them. The other interesting point yesterday, um, as we've seen a game where Jake Hyde and uh, Jamie Reid have faced off, is that when you look at the top goal scorers in the National League this season, top five, Jamie Reid, Reese Murphy, Scott Quigley, Jake Hyde and Kabongo Shimanga, four of those five were playing National League South football last season. Uh, so clearly there's a lot of quality made to step up over the summer. Yeah, Dover comfortably in mid-table and it's welcome relief, those six points. 
over Christmas. Two clean sheets as well, and they brought that home hoodoo, as we mentioned earlier, over Bromley. And I like to say, followed it up on Saturday with that win at Ebsfleet. Boreham Wood are another team who are breathing down the necks of those playoff teams, and, and they had an entertaining game against Eastleigh. They did, yeah. Um, two all, uh, a classic sort of Christmas uh, cracker of a match, to use a horrible cliche. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was one of those games where Eastleigh fans with nervous bladders, would have missed both their goals. Um, Piero Mingoya put Bournemouth ahead after nine minutes, which Danny Hollands then cancelled out in the 45th, right before half-time. Jamal Fifield scored immediately after half-time in the 46th minute, and we then had to wait another full half of football till Tyrone Barnett got the equaliser in the 91st. So, um, some nicely bookended halves. It sounds like it might have been difficult watching at times for the, for the other 88 minutes of the game, or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, I think a draw sounds like a fair result for two teams who are both quietly motoring away in the table. Um, Warren Wood, I think, uh, uh, as you say, they're breathing down the neck of Solly Holmores in the table. Um, only two goal difference points outside the playoffs. Whereas Eastleigh, um, they're comfortably mid-table. I don't I don't think they'll challenge the playoffs this season, but they also they don't, they don't look like they're going to be worrying about relegation. Neither Aldershot or Barnett played on Boxing Day, but they did meet on Saturday, and it was the only goalless draw in the National League. Rob found it very entertaining, even though he's not with us this week. And following on from the theme that we had last week on the NL Full-Time Podcast, when we chatted about Mick Payne and the best goalkeepers that he picked, well, two of those goalkeepers faced off against each other on Saturday. It was Scott Loach against Mitch Walker. And Rob caught up with both of those. First of all, he had a quick chat with Scott Loach to see what he thought about it all and his move from Hartlepool to Barnet and other things as well. I'm joined by Barnet goalkeeper Scott Loach, who uh, has played his part in a in a clean sheet and a very decent uh, game here between Christmas and New Year between Barnet and uh, Aldershot. No goals, Scott, but uh, job done from your point of view. Yeah, um, I've got to give credit to the whole 11, really. I thought we defended well. Um, I thought the back three in front of me were very very good today um, you know I didn't have too much to do I think it was a lot lot eerily uh, crosses that I was probably involved in most of all um, so credit to the back four they uh, you know, they stood up to the task well and I think when you when you come to a place like this I mean look at the pitch it's magnificent and there's two two teams that want to play the right way so I think even though it was nil nil, I think for the neutral it was it was pretty entertaining We uh, would have liked to have had a chat with you uh, earlier in the season but it was a big move for you in the summer uh, geographically as much as anything Um, just tell us a little bit about Scott Loach Loach, I know a little bit about your background and uh, and that but where where are you from and uh, are you coming back near a home? Uh, No I'm actually from Nottingham I'm I'm, born and bred in Nottingham and I actually commuted to Hartlepool every day Um, the big factor in me that you know I had a little bit of interest in the summer and I've got a little girl who just started school in September and and a little boy who's two and for me we finally got our family home, you know, and we were settled. And I thought, you know, I don't mind, to, I don't mind the travelling. So geographically, with me used to live in Watford as well, I, I know the area very well. Um, where I'm travelling down to every day, um, I meet the boys where in a town where I live for six years. So I know the, I know the, uh, I know the area well. So when I meet the boys for the car school in the morning, it's um, it's nice and local to me in in respect of I know what the surroundings are and I stay there on a Friday night and stuff like that. So. Um, and the main thing for me is I wanted to play football. Obviously, I've got aspirations to be back in the league. I think anybody on that pitch there today from both sides wants to be in the league. Um, but if it wasn't the right opportunity or, or the right move for everybody involved, you know, I came to a club which I thought is going in the right direction and I'm really, really enjoying my time. 
and Barnet placed I think uh, something like 12th I think going into the the new year you'll probably say you, you you wish you'd got a few more points and you're a bit higher but you've got a platform for the second half of the season yeah I think we finished the year highly you know it's five unbeaten now and it would be nice to come here and win and sometimes like as daft as it sounds it's nice to kind of get a clean sheet and a and a bit of a nitty gritty point because it shows you that mentally that you're kind of going in the right direction um, I think there's something like 20 league games left now and I think we've got two two games in hand of a few so I'm not saying we're going to do it but there's definitely an opportunity for us to, to definitely be in and around it and I think if we're not then that's our with the games in hand I think that's our we'll be our only downfall Final question for you before we let you go a little bit of fun we had a big theme on the podcast last week about the goalkeepers in the National League it's stemmed from the non-league paper article where uh, Mick Payne named his yeah. top keepers and you were amongst them um, you were one of my top two as well uh, not that we know each other yeah. but uh, just from your own point of view and I know sometimes you only get to see the other goalkeepers twice a season but uh, who would you pick out who's impressed you amongst your colleagues um, I think Mitch is solid every time I've played against him he's been solid and that's what I look for in a keeper I think you know I'm not saying because we play I think he's solid I really really like James Belshaw at um, Harrogate I think when it comes to making saves and distribution the way Harrogate play I think he's really instrumental in the way they play um, it's a tough one I think the standard in this league and is actually better than the league for goalkeepers I think there's a lot more experience in this league and I'm trying to think of the top of my head <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of we've played there's been some you know you can look at the likes of Ryan Hoddart who's mm. been at England C and, and Bennett uh, Ben Phillip yeah, yeah you can um, you know I think this league is there's some, some good goalkeepers Craig Ross has got a lot of experience at Woking uh, the keeper at Barrow, he, again, you don't see too much of him making saves, but I think the way they play, uh, I'm just, I know I'm just listing every every dude <laughs> here, but I think the one uh, the one that sticks out in my mind for me personally is probably James Belshaw. Every time I've seen him or every time you, you see Harrogate, he's he's more or less involved in every single win for him and, in, and he makes a lot, a lot of important saves and um, it's quite surprised me that he's not really had, had the league, league, but he's still young and hopefully he'll get the, uh, the opportunity that I think he deserves. And that was Scott Loach, and, and one of the goalkeepers he mentioned there was Mitch Walker, who plays in net for Aldershot Town. And he, again, was pleased with a clean sheet, and Rob caught up with him as well post-match. Continuing the goalkeeping theme over the last couple of weeks in the NL full-time podcast, we've spoken to Scott Loach. I've managed to uh, nab Mitch Walker for a few words here as well. Loach, you were saying about the quality of keepers at this level, uh, you know, perhaps on a par with League Two. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been playing in this league for eight years now. It's, it's. I personally don't think it's, it's much different at all uh, to lead to. I think there's a big step up from the conference to the conference south because um, the vast majority of teams are full time. Um, so yeah, I, I personally don't think there's too much difference. Now you've been mentioned in dispatches by Mick Payne, by Scott Loach. You said you've been in the league for eight years. In terms of goalkeepers, are still playing currently in this division. Um, who do you look at and, and, and think? Yeah, he's pretty solid. I admire him. I'll be honest, the vast majority of goalkeepers in this league, there's certain attributes that you can, or I, I look at them and I think, yeah, that's that's sort of a very, very, uh, well, a good strength of theirs. Um, the ones I sort of really look at the, the, and the ones who I kind of think have, have done the well, the ones who have been in this league the longest. Um, I found, it's, as, as we've all seen, it's, it's a difficult league and uh, sometimes people come in and they have a... a half a season where it's very good and then the second half it's not very good and they find themselves dropping down the league so the ones who have sort of prolonged themselves in this league and sort of been there year on year and always sort of striving to get better um, 
yeah, they're the ones that I, I, I think are better. You brilliantly answered that question without naming anybody. <laughs> in that case, on 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 that, yeah, yeah there's yeah. a few. Um, James, yeah. James Belshaw, I worked for him yeah. at um, England C when we were younger. Um, Scott Loach, obviously, he's, he's had a fantastic career. Lee Wargan's been doing it for years and years and years down at Dover. Mm. Uh, Elliot Justum, he's, he's dag- at Dagenham, he, he's been doing it for years and years. Um, yeah, they're, they're the ones that sort of spring to mind, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, there's a few sort of young um, goalkeepers coming up through the ranks. You've got Ben Killip at Hartlepool, you've got Joel Dixon at um, Barrow, who have sort of been, well, had knockbacks in their career where they've been told no by academies, and it's a case of they need to try and find their feet, and they're, they're doing very well in this league. So there's, there's a nice little mix in this league. As I said, you've got a few sort of goalkeepers who are sort of early 20s or early to mid 20s, and you've got some who are sort of in their late 20s, but again, you've, and then you've got a few old veterans if you like like Lee Wargan like Stuart Nelson down at Yeovil who have been there and done it and yeah I, I still, I'm still doing it at this level so mm. yeah for me anyone who's been at this level sort of more than four or five years or, or above and it's, it's, it's still doing well still progressing they're the ones I sort of I look at to try and uh, yeah base myself on if you like. now I guess you'll have spoken and got to know a few of them over those eight years um Often people, they say you have to be mad to be a goalkeeper, but they seem a decent bunch of lads as well, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it is, is um, there's obviously the goalie union, which is well-known, well-wide. And I think what it is, is people, when you play the position, you know how much responsibility you've got. And some people thrive off it, which I do. And uh, there's, there's some people who, who can't handle it. And you find that out sort of at your younger age if you like so you kind of know which what comes with the role um, and I, I see us very much like strikers if we have a good game it sets the team up to to win if we have a bad game and the strike or mm. from the striker if he misses those chances mm. we, we can lose the game for our team mm. so we're very sort of win or lose kind of position and you kind of as I said it's, it, for me it's, it's all about the responsibility which we know it we, we sort of take on our shoulders each game and try and make sure that if we or the um, decisions we're making the, the saves we're making uh, if you get one of them wrong normally it ends up in the back of the net so yeah I think that's where that sort of underlying respect for the vast majority of goalkeepers out there come from Well there you go lads that's the thoughts of Mitch Walker one of the longest serving goalkeepers in the National League but dare I say not one of the oldest Yeah that's true not quite And that was Mitch Walker and the point does neither side either good Really, all the shots still staying well above water. Barnet comfortably in mid-table. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. So in the National League North, despite coming from behind twice at Alfton to draw, Kingsley actually extend their lead to four points at the top of the table. Adam Marriott and Michael Gash, who played together at Cambridge United, both scored in that game at Alfton. Gash also bagged a Boxing Day winner over Boston. Chester and York both got wins on Boxing Day, but both suffered surprise home defeats on Saturday. York lost at home to Geisley. Chester surprisingly losing at home to Curzon Ashton. It was a return of the X with Andy Hall scoring there. And if you're in Culverhouse, you must be absolutely beaming at the minute. Oh, God. I mean, look at that table. Who'd have thought that that would be the table going into the into the new year? Amazing time. I mean, what was also amazing was that the uh, the winning run actually ended at, at Alfreton. Whilst they didn't lose, Alfreton have been on an absolute stinking run of form in, in recent weeks as well. So full credit to them to... Uh, to hold Kingsland and uh, you know Ian Culverhouse I watched his uh, post-match interview and he did say you know we're there to be shot at at the minute and um, <laughs> you know Kingsland top of the league and that's what happens so the, the teams are going to up the game against the, against the league leaders um, but Marriott and Gash on the score sheet again this is becoming a regular occurrence isn't it with Kingsland and you know 49 goals now at this stage of the season is absolutely sensational 
Yeah, Kings Lynn proving not to be gash at the minute, are they? They're doing very, very well. <laughs> As we talk about, Kings Lynn's performance has been nothing short of remarkable this season, hasn't it? Um, you know, it's built on that astonishing 22 goals by the turn of the year for uh, for Adam Marriott. But what's really interesting about Kings Lynn is if you look at their points per game, if they can continue this run of form, they finish the season with 100 points. Across any season in the last five, that would be enough for them to win the title by at least nine points. Even Salford in their fantastic season, which got them promoted, only managed 91. So if Kings Lynn can continue this form, um, and let's be honest, we've not seen anything that suggests they can't, then you'll be looking at a, a genuinely all-time great National League North season. The big thing about that game as well was that all four goals came in the first 20 minutes. It was If you got there late if, and you missed the first half an hour, then you didn't have any goals to see after that. <laughs> There's a little lesson to all football goers as well, isn't it? Uh, make sure, Always make sure you know where to park. Like Sutton, Brackley have won five of their last seven. They leapfrog Chester into third. They're now five points behind York, but with two in hand. And they've only conceded 13. That's the lowest in the league. So I guess, I guess it's a case of beware, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, it was a pretty, a pretty standard win for them yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, how many times have you seen Brackley winning two 0 at home? And uh, you know, it's pretty standard to see Brackley in third position at this time of the, of the, of the, uh, of the table. It's pretty standard to see Brackley putting in uh, a good run of form, and um, it's pretty standard to see that Brackley have only conceded thirteen goals all season as well, which is. Absolutely remarkable. They've got a goal difference of, of, of plus 30. So, yeah, they're going to be threatening. They're going to be there and thereabouts. And uh, what's going to be interesting, I think, is whether they can take advantage of uh, York City's poor run of form um, because that's continuing. And in a league that was just full of surprises yesterday, you mentioned a, a few of them. One other surprise was uh, was Geisley going to uh, Bootham Crescent for possibly the last time and um, picking up a 2-1 win with a former... Um, York player mm. came through it's bagging a late winner as well and also Hamza Benjarif got on the score sheet he was at York last season also so a, a real curse of the XA but York's home form's been really poor recently they're better away from home they won at Bradford Park Avenue on Boxing Day they entertained Bradford Park Avenue again on New Year's Day so you'd like to think they'll win that game whereas Kingsland and Boston will slug it out Boston we'll get onto in a minute because they could be a real threat for the playoffs but Chester they're under pressure out from Farsley they beat Bradford Park Avenue by five goals to nil on Saturday. That was after they suffered a surprise defeat to Geisley on Boxing Day. So a good Christmas period for Geisley. But it's just one defeat in six now for Farsley. And Chester, they'll be looking over the shoulders quite nervously now, won't they? Oh, that was a bit of a shocker for Chester yesterday, wasn't it? They'll be uh, they'll be really disappointed that they they lost to to Curzon Ashton yesterday. Mark Bradshaw, the Curzon manager, saying it was all about character yesterday. Um, going to going to Chester in front of a big crowd for um, obviously over the Christmas period. And yeah, Chester will be gutted. They've lost a bit of ground, and their form's been well. I think the best you can say about it is mediocre. In um, in recent weeks, in recent matches as well, and uh, they're dropping. Uh, Dropping at the wrong time, you need to have a, a good Christmas period. And just behind them, as you mentioned, is Farsley Celtic. And a bit of a derby win, really, that wasn't it, against Bradford Park Avenue. But, but very convincing. So, uh, yeah, Chester will be looking over the shoulder. Yeah, if you're not sure where Farsley is, it's actually New Pudsey, which is an outskirts of Bradford. So, yeah, like you say, they're almost in the same. It was almost a city derby in that sense. But uh, in terms of Chester, yeah, they had a good win at Southport. But as we mentioned earlier... 
good and bad run of form over Christmas can can really set you up for the season. If you have a good run, it can propel you forward. But if you have a bad run, you can kind of struggle to get out of it, can't you? Yeah, it's vital. And, um, you know, they're 10 points behind Kingsland now, and that's quite a gap. Um, we don't know how Kingsland are going to fare. We're talking about all these teams in and around Kingsland. We don't know how Kingsland are going to fare. It's uncharted territory um, in the second half of the season, but certainly not showing no signs of slowing up at the moment. So that 10-point gap from Chester to Kingsland is, uh, is looking a big one. Yeah, Boston, as I said, they won against Kettering. Real inform Kettering on Saturday, a 2-1 win. Craig Elliott had signed a new two-year deal during the week as well. But Boston did lose at Kingsland on Boxing Day. Both teams slugged it out in that game. And Boston entertained Kingsland on New Year's Day. If Boston can win that, it'll obviously derail Kingsland a little bit. But Boston have games in hand as well. And, and you look at the squad they've got as well. They've got a real strong squad. And I said to Dickie last week, I feel they're shooing for the playoffs. Yeah, Boston, you know, real fun team. And I'm going to take you back a season. I'm going to take you back to a little bit earlier to Stockport County because there are a lot of similarities between what they did. They were around about 12th in November last season. Boston United have put in a cracking run of form. Uh, they've got two games in hand on a lot of teams and they're just outside those uh, those playoff spots. So once those two games in hand play out, you'd expect them to be well ensconced in, those, uh, in the playoff positions. Things are looking good there. It's good they've got a bit of consistency. You know, Craig Elliott, doing a great job there they had a great cup run um, they showcased themselves in front of the uh, in front of the nation and, and did really well against against Rochdale so yeah definitely uh, a team to, to keep an eye on yeah another team to keep an eye on Chris are Altrincham they've got plenty of games in hand but they can't, in the league they've, they've had a lot of draws although they've been unbeaten for a while they have got a lot of draws and they've not really progressed up the table but they got six points over Christmas, they were never going to stay down there for long, were they? No, no, not at all. They've got they've got so much quality in that squad, which which was why I was surprised to see them that far down the table in the first place. Um, but no, I'd expect them to, to keep climbing up. Um, difficult place to go. Like, as you say, they've, they've only played nineteen games. I mean, that's crazy. So they've got a lot of games in hand, and um, I know managers say they'd rather have points on the board and it's difficult when those games, when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, quite a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, it's looking uh, it's looking reasonable for them, isn't it, Luke? Definitely, yeah. They won at Curzon on Boxing Day and then they had an excellent win over Southport. They're now into 14th. At the bottom, Chris, can we relegate Blythe and Bradford Park Avenue? Blythe had a really good win, actually, at Gateshead on Boxing Day before losing out to Darlington, who've had an excellent Christmas themselves. And Bradford Park Avenue are just getting beaten, as we say, every week at the minute. And they are adrift now with Kettering, who are in really good form despite the defeat against Boston. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, Luke, because um, I do like both those clubs, Blythe and Bradford, I, I, I can't see them staying up. I've got to be honest. Well, they, as you mentioned, they do, they do pull out amazing victories every once in a while, but they're few and far between and they're surrounded by a lot of big red L's and... Um, I just can't see them getting out of it. Sorry, guys. We're going to look next at the National League South. When your kids are ill, you just want to help them feel better. But you don't always need antibiotics. Get advice from your local pharmacy or search NHS Choices. Hi, I'm Hakan Hayrich and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So in the National League South, Wheelstone, they lost 2-1 at Slough on Boxing Day. A massive game that and a massive result for Slough. 
Max Worsfold bagged the winner in that game, and it did look significant, but they couldn't back that up, Slough. They only drew at Hemel Hempstead, but they have got two games in hand. Wheelstone, they recovered on Saturday. Den and Lewis bagged the winner over St Albans, and Dorking, they got two really good wins over Christmas. They leapfrog, they leapfrog Slough, they thumped Eastbourne 4-0 on Boxing Day. Jason Pryor grabbing two of those, I thought I'd get that in there, seeing as I put him down as top scorer. And then they went away to Chippenham and won by two goals to nil. They have got the points on the board. So it's really interesting at the top now, isn't it, with those few games that we've had over Christmas? It is indeed. It's very tight. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned about Jason Pryor's double uh, on Boxing Day because he did actually miss a penalty yesterday. So he's clearly not too desperate for you to win the uh, prediction <laughs> competition. Keeping uh, it interesting, that's all he's doing. Exactly. He's a betting man, clearly. Um, <laughs> well, don't say that. <laughs> Anyone from the league listening, he's not. He's not, honestly. Don't get him banned, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so a 2 0 win for Dorking away at Chiffin yesterday is a massive result. Um, moves him up to second due to Slough's draw at Hemel. But let's not forget that Slough also have two games in hand. Uh, so you would expect in the form they're in for them to uh, re- reclaim that second spot. Um, but really, you know, Dorkings, we can only recall that a wonder season uh, for their debut at step two continues. Um, even with that prior missed penalty, they still had enough from Ed Harris and Tom Richards uh, to help them grind out a fifth rate win. Are you, are you um, surprised though, Tom? I mean, I, I'm not overly surprised Dorkin are doing so well. And I think you mentioned it last week. They've kept a lot of that squad that gotten promoted and it's a good experienced squad. I know you, did you predict them to maybe just miss out on the playoffs? I had them to finish just outside the playoffs. I definitely had them as being the best of the promoted sides, which, uh, you know, they're, they're, even make, they're making a mockery even of that prediction, aren't they? With how well they're adjusting. Um, whilst I did make the point that they kept a lot of the, the key players that had brought them up from step three, um, they also have experience of winning the division. In their squad, they brought in uh, Ed Harris, who scored yesterday from Haven and Waterlooville. Now, he's won this division already. Um, they already had Jason Pryor in the squad. He's won this division with Haven and Waterlooville as well. So they've got good, experienced step two players who are, you know, complementing that strength and um, cohesion that they brought up with them. So, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, maybe we should be looking at Dorking and not being too surprised by this. Bath stay in fourth. They're just a point behind Slough. They missed an opportunity to go second. They beat Chippenham on Boxing Day. Then they drew 0-0 at Hampton and Richmond Borough. So a missed opportunity from Tom. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity for them. Um, considering Bath's form, I think you probably would have expected them to uh, really push for three points there against Hampton and Richmond. Um, Bath have only actually lost one in their last ten. And they're top of the form charts um, across that period for the division which when you consider how well Slough and Wheelston and Dorking have been performing, that's really quite an achievement. Um, however, they came up against the Hampton and Richmond side, who are also in good form. Um, they've only lost twice in their last 10 matches. Um, they've had a really impressive December period. Um, and Hampton and Richmond are performing well above expectations this season. I think a lot of people, myself included, tip them to struggle and be down the wrong end of the table. But they're up in 11th. Yeah, Bath are, they seem a very solid side, Bath, don't they? They are there or thereabouts. They, they don't seem to concede many goals, but then they don't score that many either. And that can be their Achilles heel, I'm guessing. No, and that is the concern with Bath, really. Um, they had the best defence in the division last season. Um, only Slough have conceded fewer than them this season. 
but they don't really score enough goals. Um, they, you know, we we had that hope, didn't we, that Tyler Harvey would be the the big name striker that they've been looking for. Um, but looking through the scorers charts, their top scorer as a midfielder is Tom Smith. Um, their highest scoring striker is Ryan Brunt with six, and Tyler Harvey never really made the difference for them. He's obviously, as we know, st- uh, stepped back down to uh, step three with Truro City. So, yeah, you do have to think maybe if they could get that that sort of marquee striker, uh, that that could really propel them up into the that that elite level of this division along with Habent and uh, and and uh, Wealdstone. Yeah, talking of Haven, they and Weymouth both only had one game over Christmas, but they both won it. They won against Oxford City and Hungerford, and that keeps them well ensconced in the playoff places. Absolutely, it does. Um, and you have to feel for Hungerford, don't you? Um, you know, as, as we say often, Ian Herring is a friend of the podcast and he's a very good manager. But um, when you're bottom of the division, you've got the worst defence in the league, uh, leaking exactly two goals per game, and you've lost four of the last six. You really don't want the league's top scorers coming to visit. Um, you know, even without needing to trouble, Jonah Younger haven't pretty, pretty comfortably dispatched Hungerford. Um Alfie Rutherford, Danny Kedwell and Wes Fogden um, meant that uh, Connor Lynch's 90th minute goal was only ever a consolation. Yeah, haven't are in fifth place, but I think that's a bit uh, misleading. They've got games in hand on everyone. Uh, in the form that they're in, you'd expect them to win the majority of them. And if they do pick up maximum points, they'll go up to second. Yeah, that game in hand is against Slough as well. And of course, it was called off the other week, that game. That could be really significant later on in the season. Uh, you're right, yeah, that will be a huge game at the top, won't it? Um, but at the moment, it's still just a game to see who gets to uh, play second field to Wilson in the National League South. They've ground out a, a pretty uh, solid win at home to St Albans yesterday. Um, and we always say, don't we, that's the mark of a, of a championship winning team is winning, taking that three points when you're not necessarily playing well. Concord are quietly going about their business. They've had a really good Christmas. They are in the last playoff place. They they won both their games over Christmas against Billericay at 4-1 and at home and away at Braintree. And Quite nobody. We haven't really mentioned Concord. They've kind of been there or thereabouts this season. But Boxing Day is really what the Christmas period has been really productive for them. It has, yeah. And I actually think they deserve a lot of credit for where they are in the league. Um, we looked at the summer. Concord lost their management team and about half their squad um, over to Hemel Hempstead. So they've had to. They've been forced to um, replan and restock their squad. And they're doing it. They've done it really well, haven't they? Um, James Blanchfield's never scored a goal uh, in senior football um, before the Christmas period, and now, like London buses, he's got two in two games. Um, so, you know, Merry Christmas to him uh, for uh, for Braintree Town. Um, I think their high turnover of players is starting to hurt them um, across the season. It looked in autumn as though they could be threatening the playoffs, but they're now bottom of the form, ta- form table over the last ten matches. And they are slipping down the league. Um, and when you look at the fact that maybe St Albans, they went five unbeaten. Hampton and Richmond are doing better than expected. Eastbourne picked up a good win yesterday. Those teams in the middle of the pack, such as Braintree, such as Billericay, really need to ensure that these these bad runs of form don't last too long because they could slip down. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like say, Dulwich Hamlet have, have really sank, apart from that win they had 
last week at Hungerford. They're in they're in wretched form. St Albans have been doing well. They they had back to back wins up until Saturday. They lost one 0 at Wheelstone, as we mentioned. But Ian Allenson said it was a best performance in a while, so he's quite encouraged by that. But teams like Welling and Dulwich will be looking over the shoulder because it only takes one win from either St Albans or Tombridge, and all of a sudden they could be in the bottom two. Absolutely, and you know, just looking at them separately, uh, we'll deal with Welling first. Welling United down to 17th is probably my underperformance of the season so far in the National League South. Um, you know, we all we all uh, respected what Steve King was doing there, and he's now obviously gone. We know the budget is slightly reduced on what it has been in the past. That is still a potentially a playoff squad. Um, the likes of Moses Emmanuel. Uh, the likes of Rob Swain, you know, they've got Adam Coombs in there, they've got Danny Waldron, they've got good step two players. This is a squad that should be challenging, certainly at the top half of the table. And for them to be in 17th is a real underperformance, in my opinion. You mentioned Steve King there. His dart, he's made a real difference to Dartford since he's, he's gone in there. They had a really good win, albeit over Tunbridge on Saturday. Uh, Elliot remain amongst the goals. And can they remain in the playoff hunt, Tom? Absolutely, they can. Um, you know, we talked earlier about Bath, who were lacking, uh, you know, good striker. Well, Dartford have got two of them in Elliot Romain and Charlie Sheringham, and Darren McQueen's doing good work to support them as well. Um, you know, Steve King will obviously know Elliot Romain very well. He picked up five goals for Eastbourne at the start of the season. He's added another seven at Dartford to go joint with uh, Jonah Younger at the top of the scorers' charts on twelve, and he's he's been a real boost to their season. Um, they looked pretty inconsistent and, uh, and and a bit disappointing at the start of the campaign, but they're just quietly motoring up the table, um, and, and I fancy them to challenge for the playoffs as we get towards the end of the season. Um, as for Tunbridge, I suspected at the beginning of the campaign that this would this league would be a step too far for them, and it does look to be the case. Um, only Hungerford's horrible December, which we've already mentioned, is keeping them off the bottom at the moment. You know, and, and another team that we should be worried about. You mentioned them earlier. Was uh, is Dulwich Hamlet? Um, they did pick up that that really creditable big win at Hungerford, as, as you discussed. But they're now only two points clear of relegation. Um, that win against Hungerford is looking like a very lonely, bright spot in what's been a pretty dismal last four or five months. Um, they've only got one win in their last sixteen league matches. Um, Dulwich Hamlet and that is you know that's relegation form in anyone's money um, you're looking at Tunbridge and you're looking at Hungerford and St Albans if any of them can put together a couple of wins they will they will leapfrog Dulwich and the form down there is dreadful um, as for Maidstone um, that big win for them puts them only two points off the playoffs they've got two games in hand and hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be able to start talking about Maidstone fulfilling the expectations that they started the season with just on, just going back to Dulwich. I mean, Gavin Rose has been a legend there for for Dulwich, hasn't he? Especially uh, the way he stuck with them with the tough times when they they couldn't play in their own ground and things like that. But is the pressure really on him now? Is sentiment maybe keeping him there longer than he should he should be? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know enough about uh, what the fan atmosphere, what the fan mood is down at Dulwich. Um, you know. Objectively, though, you're looking at the club with the highest attendances in the division and they shouldn't be at this end of the league. Um, they had enough about them as a club to bring in players on loan from Coventry City, uh, such as Reece Alassani, for example. Um, they did bring in some some pretty heavy hitters in the summer and I'd expect a lot more from them. Um, 
you know, as you know, I really rate Gavin Rose. I think he's one of the one of the brightest managers in in the division. But yeah, maybe maybe they will be asking themselves questions of well, I mean, they certainly should be asking themselves questions of why are we at this end of the division? They shouldn't be. Um, so you know, there's three three results left in the division now. Um, Billericay drew one all at home to Chelmsford. Um, Jamie O'Hara admitted in the week that he's under a little bit of pressure. Um, even with all the recent outgoings, this is still a mid-table squad, um, but they've only won once in the last 10. He does need to change that mood quickly. However, he's got the chance. Um, they've got three games in hand over most of the other sides in the division. If they can pick up you know, six or seven points from those three games, then that worry's gone. They've not been able to play at home, have they, Tom, as well, you know, with the pitch issues. So that's maybe handicapping them a little bit. Exactly. And Jamie O'Hara, again, he did express his frustration at the amount of games that are being called off. I mean, Essex seems to have been absolutely uh, flooded um, over the last few mu- last few weeks, which has done, uh, not just Billericay, but looking through the non-league system, a lot of uh, games in the county have been called off. We also had Hemel drawing one all at home to Slough in, in the other one all draw of the day. Um, Sam Ashford for Hemel and Dan Roberts for Slough. That point keeps, keeps Hemel in touching distance of the playoff, but it does hurt Slough a little bit. Um, they could have stayed second and gone within four points of Wilson with a win. Um, but let's not, not forget, they've had a fantastic 2019. They're still undefeated in November, December. Um, and speaking of fantastic 2019s, it would be remiss not to mention Weymouth as well um, in the final result of the day. They beat Oxford 2-1. Uh, Yemi Ojibadi and Abdullah Baggy with their goals, um, which was a good win for them after two losses in a row, really. And it just enables, lets them end this incredible 2019 that they've had on a high. Um, what's really interesting is we've got a situation where in both of the step two leagues, um, two promoted sides occupy playoff spots. And that really just shows how almost flat the non-league system is becoming. Um, you've got Kings Lynn and Farsley Celtic in National League North, both up in the playoffs. You've got Weymouth and Dorking in National League South, both up in the playoffs. And I think, you know, I haven't done the research, but that's got to be, you know, probably the first time that's happened, that four promoted sides have come up and competed to such a level that they have. Cheers. And uh, if you are in the Alverton area on New Year's Day, you can see Chris and Dickie in the flesh because uh, they'll be at Alverton versus AFC Telford. So, well, have a good have a good New Year. Chris, we'll speak to you very soon. Yeah, thanks, Luke. And thanks again for joining us, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Brill, have a great new year. Cheers, mate. You too. Cheers. And that is it for NL Full Time this week and for this year. Thank you very much for listening to us throughout the year. Don't forget to get in touch with us on Twitter. Anything you want to get off your chest about how your team's doing or how well they're not doing, get in touch on Twitter at NL Full Time. Email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. And all that's left for me to say is have a very happy new year and we'll see you in 2020.